My name is Mark Beattie. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology. In this podcast, I'd like to highlight some of the content from the spring edition of the journal. This edition has as a special focus endoscopy with an exciting collection of papers covering many different aspects. This is commissioned work and submitted work and includes clinical research, quality improvement, opinion, and up-to-date and authoritative reviews written by experts. Please read and enjoy the content and feedback on any topics that you feel we should cover in future editions. The first paper I'd like to highlight relates to improving safety and reducing error in endoscopy. Patient safety incidents occur and human factors contribute in all areas of medicine, including endoscopy. It's impossible really for us to completely exclude human factors. In this issue, Ravindan colleagues discuss simulation training as part of an improving outcomes and reducing errors strategy in endoscopy, focusing on human factors and endoscopy non-technical skills. That's ENTS. The authors discuss some of the previous literature, practicalities and terminology, and I found that very useful. For example, latent errors, which are failures in organisation or environment that can impact on patient safety. And they discussed how incorporating simulation into endoscopy training and revalidation is likely to impact long-term on the safety of the patient. It's helpful and informative and well worth working through. The second article I'd like to highlight, and this is Editor's Choice this month, relates to deep sedation and anaesthesia in complex gastrointestinal endoscopy. More than 2.5 million endoscopy procedures are carried out each year, mostly under no or conscious sedation administered by the endoscopist. However, in a proportion, a more intensive approach is needed. Deep sedation or anaesthesia, particularly for complex and lengthy procedures, and for this extra support is needed. This requires some broad agreement regarding the indications, practicalities and environment, and that really includes environment and staffing, and has significant resource implications. But it's an important area to address to ensure we do the best for the patients that we're looking after. In this issue, Sidhu and colleagues present pragmatic consensus guidance. The great thing is this guidance is endorsed by the British Society of Gastroenterology, the Joint Advisory Group on Gastrointestinal Endoscopy and the Royal College of Anaesthetists. It's detailed, it includes criteria for selection, including what patients should be anaesthetized and what patients should receive deep sedation. It includes what needs to be in place and various checklists for implementation. This will be a really helpful resource for teams struggling with these issues. The third article I'd like to highlight relates to the impact of the Joint Advisory Group on Gastrointestinal Endoscopy, we all know it as JAG, on endoscopy services. 
This was established in 1994 to standardise endoscopy training. It's evolved considerably in the last 25 years and has a massive impact on endoscopy services in the UK. Has it been effective? In this issue, Keith Sow and colleagues have comprehensively reviewed the evidence under three categories. Impact on quality of care, impact on quality of practice, and impact on training. The authors openly acknowledge there are limitations in their approach. However, the evidence base is impressive. It's a paper that shows it is possible to achieve a transformation in quality, safety, patient experience and training with a strategic and centrally led approach. It sounds to me like an approach that should be used more widely across the NHS. There's a link commentary by Roland Valori, aptly titled Joint Advisory Group on Gastrointestinal Endoscopy Achieves Enduring Large-Scale Change. So the next article I'd like to highlight relates to what every endoscopist should know about decontamination. This is a great piece. When you arrive to do a procedure, it's essential to know that the endoscope is properly decontaminated. But how many of us know the detail of that process? In this issue, Helen Griffiths and Laura Dwyer go through some of the practicalities, including discussion of carbapenemase resistant enterobacter, which is implicated in an alarming increase in the incidence of endoscopy-associated infections and deaths worldwide. The authors discuss risk factors for infection, including poor instrument design, endoscope defects, inadequate manual cleaning, inadequate disinfection, inadequate drying, poor training, and education. All those issues are covered in detail. A paper that's really well worth reading. It starts with a great quote from the Brothers Grimm, adapted by the authors. I'm going to read it out to you. His conscience was clear and his heart light amidst all of his troubles. So he went peacefully to bed, left all his cares to heaven and soon fell asleep. In the morning, he sat himself down to work when, to his great wonder, there stood the endoscope, already decontaminated on the table. It's a quote we should reflect on in our practice, in many different facets of our practice, and it should enthuse us to read this excellent review. The fourth article I would like to highlight relates to water-assisted colonoscopy. This is in the Education in Practice session. It's actually there just to tell you what it is and what the implications might be. So there's an increased interest in water-assisted colonoscopy, essentially using water as the main insulation method. There's a good evidence base for efficacy, but poor uptake in the UK. So in this issue, Keith Sow and Isaf Bentaris in a focused review, discuss their background, definition, evidence and practicalities. They highlight the potential benefits. Water exerts a gravitational effect and therefore reduced colonic elongation, potential reduced loop formation, 
potential reduced patient discomfort and therefore sedation requirements and the improved diagnostic potential from improved mucosal visualisation. The authors use the My Approach to Principle, which means we find out what they do and how they've implemented it, and as such the article is helpful, essential reading, and would be useful for endoscopists who want to start using this technique. The fifth article I'd like to mention relates to human-machine collaboration. So bringing artificial intelligence into colonoscopy. It's very topical, it's an opinion piece, and it's well worth reading. Essentially what it means is using machine learning to improve performance. So this article relates to machine learning in adenoma detection and categorization at colonoscopy. Trials are imminent. Like clinicians, machines continue to learn and improve their performance, and this big data technology is being increasingly applied across medicine. It's really well worth reading, it's helpful and informative, and actually it's part of the challenges that we face to make medicine better in the 21st century. I hope very much that you enjoy these five papers. These are to highlight some of the excellent content in the spring edition of the journal. I'm pleased to tell you that the edition is now live and can be accessed through the website. Please read and enjoy and please feedback if you have any ideas for future content or things we should cover in the journal or you'd like to write something topical, helpful and informative for us. I'm delighted to welcome Ian Penham to the editorial board. He helped with the commissioning of this content and will moving forward be a great contributor to the future of the journal. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.